Greetings from Soundography, a crash course in music, one band at a time. I'm Brian Ibbett. And I am Hammond Chamberlain. And today we are going to be talking about a band that has been near and dear to my heart ever since uh, the 80s. In kind of newly introducing them to Hammond, I'm talking about a band called Scritty Politti. So are these guys like your Metallica? You discovered them in 84 and just never let go of them? Yeah, actually. Yeah, you know what? I would say that. I've got a few bands like that, but this is definitely a band that I buy sight unseen, right? Like as soon as I see a new Scritty Politti album or anything by Green Guard side, I immediately pick it up. And um, I've never been disappointed. And I've, boy, talk about evolution of a band. This is uh, this is a great example. It really is. And, and I'll, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be cagey, or hedge, or play any games. I enjoyed this a lot. Oh, good. I was wondering about that because they are, I mean, they're kind of an uh, an acquired taste. Green Gartside's vocals probably won't appeal to everybody, especially if they're. You know, coming right off Metallica, this is going to be kind of a whiplash. Yeah, but there's something, there's something very toy matinee, Kevin Gilberty, uh, mm-hmm. posiesy. There, there's something that's, I mean, it's very much in your wheelhouse. I mean, you can't. Yeah. This is as about as Brian Ibbett as you can get without having the Spice Girls also be on the albums. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. Like it's, I feel like. Scritty Plate is one of those bands that if you heard without knowing how I felt about the band, you probably would just say, oh, I bet Brian likes these guys. <laughs> It'd be pretty easy, to, pretty easy to surmise. And you'd be right. Let's talk about the story behind Scritty Politti. Uh, they formed in 1977 back in uh, Leeds, England by Green Guardside, who's the vocalist. And, and, and a color. Uh, no. And a color. <laughs> <laughs> Are you feeling blue? No, I'm feeling green. No. Feeling green. Uh, is, is it easy being green? It's the he's the most eco-friendly of all the lead singers. <laughs> I guess I guess when he signs a record label now, it's with a, the Green New Deal. That's right, exactly. Yes. Anyway, he's the only person who has been in Scritty Politi the entire time. So I guess it's like Green Gartside and the Scritty Politis. It's kind of like that. I would say it's like boy, the guy Thomas K something, the guy behind Streetlight Manifesto. Mm-hmm. We talked about that, and, and uh, it's Tom Level Forty K, basically. Yeah, yeah. and. Uh, Level 42. He, it's pretty much uh, him in the level 42s. No, because it's Mark King and Phil Lindup, um, level 42. I mean, I'd say, boy, um, Jay Maskus, Dinosaur Jr., it is his project. Matt Johnson, the, the, like it is. Brendan Urie and the Panic at the Discos. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I guess we talked about them. I don't know if uh, if there's been a lot of movement in that band as far as people coming and going, but sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> After seeing the Sex Pistols with the Damned and the Heartbreakers, he decided to form his own band. So he and a childhood friend named Neil uh, Niall Jinx and a school friend named Tom Morley started playing music. Matthew K was their manager and sometimes played keys. So Matthew played K keys. Originally, they went with the name The Against for their first show, but then they changed it to Scritti Politi, which was picked in tribute to Antonio Gramsci, an Italian Marxist writer. And it, it actually means political writings in Italian. It's just fun to say, Scritti Politi. It sounds like an ice cream flavor that you'll get with like a- Absolutely. Like, a, like um, Tutti Frutti. Yeah, Tutti Frutti. What's the, uh, what is the Italian ice cream called? What is that? Gelato. Gelato, yes. It's a gelato yeah. flavor. You know what? Next time you're at a gelato place, say, I'd like the Scritti Politi and see if they, how yeah. long it takes them to look for that flavor. In a waffle cone. <laughs> right. Exactly. In a green waffle cone. <laughs> 
Their first record was a DIY recording called Skank Block Baloney. It was raw punk energy with allusions to a collection of notable intellectuals. It sounds and, a lot like it would be a Sky album, though. Oh, it does. Yeah, for sure. Just the word skank in there kind yeah. of... And baloney. Kind of emphasizes that. <laughs> baloney. Uh, it should have been salami, seeing <laughs> as it was uh, Italian. The um, One of the things you're going to see so much in Green Gartside's music and Scritti Politi's music in the lyrics are just his intelligence. He's not showy about it, but man, if you read the lyrics, it's like, wow, this guy knows some stuff and he knows how to put it into a song and it's it's pretty damn amazing. It feels like he's done a whole lot of reading when he's not writing. I think so, for sure. That album, by the way, the uh, Skank Block Baloney, got some airplay on British airwaves. In 1979, they released two EPs, songs like Bibliotech, Doubt Beat, OPEC in Mac, Hegemony, and Confidence. There you go. Just, you know, trying to find Hegemony on a on another pop album somewhere. Well, there it's you. easy to it's easy to rhyme with. So um, it kind of is, yeah. Hegemony, yeah. These shows hint as to where they would end up heading as they move further into the 80s. They produced a booklet called How to Make a Record, which aimed to be a comprehensive guide to recording and releasing a record for aspiring indie artists. It was based on their experiences and other helpful bits of information. It's huge. I mean, uh, for a band to do that, you know, you, you, you don't see that too often. It's kind of cool. Do you have a copy? I don't. I didn't even know this existed until I just read it right now. I think we need to find a <laughs> copy for you for Christmas. I think we do, for sure. A little booklet. I love it. In 1979, they released uh, a Four Sides EP. This demonstrated their sound going forward using abrupt changes, discordant harmonies, all mixed with obscure lyrics with abstract, vaguely political meanings. Talk about a shape of things to come. Those are all like the scritty politi check, check marks. Abrupt changes, yep. Discordant harmonies, uh-huh. Obscure lyrics, abstract, vaguely political meanings, sure, yeah. Okay, but that when I type that sentence, I'm like, did I really run all those words together? <laughs> lyrics with abstract, vaguely political meaning. That's a sentence I never type. No, I like it, though. It's <laughs> And it totally, totally fits. Uh, they started playing their actual debut album in 1979, but after Green collapsed on stage, it was delayed. The collapse was thought to be a heart attack but it was actually a panic attack and as a result of his unhealthy lifestyle. Uh, after nine months of convalescing, he was back at work. And I've wow. had those kind of panic attacks where you feel like you're having a heart attack. Yeah. In fact, I had one at Disney World. And, oh, uh, all places. Man, what a yeah, place to I was, not have a panic attack. Yeah, I had a panic attack in line for Buzz Lightyear at Disney World a few years back. And it was one of those ones where I thought I was having a heart attack. It was not, it was not fun. Jeez. To anxiety and beyond. <laughs> You're not helping. Too soon. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Too soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while he was away convalescing, he became more focused on the sound of bands like Chic, the Jackson, Jacksons, and uh, other American soul music, along with British beat music. I was going to say, and that's also a weird, not a weird, but an interesting combination where you take American soul and you stick it in a blender with uh, British beat music. It's a really... Not what I'm going to say creative way of blending styles because you don't put those two together by accident. No, they're not. They're not tangential styles. So to have them jam together. And it's funny because you say that it's like, oh, I hear it. I totally hear it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh, it makes sense. As soon as I typed it and I'm listening along, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's actually dead right. That's the only way you can describe that. You know who didn't feel like that? Was were his bandmates. Uh, he he <laughs> went to them and said, yeah, what do you think of uh, combining American soul and British beat music? They weren't excited about it, and uh, it didn't go well at first. 
In January 81, he recorded a demo for The Sweetest Girl. It featured Robert Wyatt on keys. Uh, Robert Wyatt, by the way, is the um, uh, the guy who wrote Shipbuilding for Elvis Costello. And um, oh, okay. kind of goes back away there. That song was well-reviewed and was even listed to be one of the best singles of the year. But it didn't get wide-released for almost a year. covered by Madness and charted really well with them. Once again, ska coming back. Totally. And, and uh, reggae, ska, all that stuff. And it was funny because I heard the Madness version of it before I heard the Scritty version. And no Madness, way. You heard a cover first before I you heard, heard the original? I heard the, no, it never happens, right? <laughs> but it was back in, like, it was back in the early 80s before I even thought about it. And Still. in that aspect, I thought that the Madness version was clearly the original and that Scritty's version was the cover because it just felt like a Madness song. Even hearing Scritty's version, it it still felt like a Madness song. Uh, and that song, by the way, marked a more melodic style for the band. In 1982, they released their first full-on debut, uh, full release, Songs to Remember. Uh, previous hidden reggae influence was on full display in this album. So American Soul, British Beat, and Reggae. The album reached number 12 on the UK charts and was universally well-received. During this time, uh, Green Gertzide recorded a duet with Annie Lennox, uh, Wrap It Up, which you can find on the Sweet Dreams album. And unless I'm mistaken, that is a cover of the fabulous Thunderbirds' Wrap It Up. I think it might be, now that you say it. I didn't put it in there, but I think you might be right. Here's another weird thing. In all the times I've heard that song, um, the, heard the Eurythmics version, Never did I know that it was uh, the Green Guard side was on there somewhere. Oh, <laughs> so that's super cool. Between albums, Green discovered a love for funk, and he started working that into his music style. In 1983, the original lineup broke up, and Gartside moved to New York. The first single released after he moved was Whitby's "Pray Like Aretha Franklin," and this was a hit for him worldwide. Absolute and Hypnotize followed as singles. And then the, the word girl became the biggest hit, reaching number six on the UK chart. So it's funny, as we go through and he keeps pulling in new styles, I feel like yeah. if you were to do one of those insane man yarn maps of musical styles, yeah, it would yeah. be all over the room. It totally would be, right? Like you'd have the single, the scritty in the middle, and then you'd have all these different directions going out, different bands, different influences. And it's weird because, yeah, I hear the funk as well. And, you know, mm -hmm. you just keep keep piling on those those influences and styles. And, well, uh, and also, it's not just influence and styles. It's flavors because it's not like he's saying, yeah. okay, I'm doing a funk song and the next one's going to be a reggae-inspired tune. Right. He's yeah. blending them all in. So it's actually, you know, he's got the scritty uh ice cream. But right. he's putting funk sprinkles and some All these other Jackson's flavors whipped cream and, and then yeah. a little bit of ska chocolate pudding on there. I mean, it's all, it's, it's not just, it's not 
Yeah, it's it's yeah. amazing how he's working this all in. And it all works together amazingly well. Uh, yeah. Strange. Better, better than you'd ever think. For sure, yeah. In 1985, he released Cupid and Psyche 85. This is actually when I first heard uh, the band was was the release of this album. And um, this, this to date, is their most successful album. Uh, you listen to this thing, and I swear to God, it's like Green Guardside bought a Casio keyboard that had a big neon pink button called 80s on it, and he just pushed <laughs> that for this album because... <laughs> You won't find a more 80s sounding album ever, anywhere. Every every sound that you attribute to music in the 80s can be found somewhere on this album. The the pop the pop 80s is 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 strong with this one. For sure. I had the cassette and the included all the regular album tracks of course and then you got a couple singles on the B side of the cassette as well as a new version of the word girl, which is your uh, opening song, but without any other lyrics, without any of Green Guardside's lyrics, except a little bit of uh, repeat of the chorus at the end. And you get a reggae singer that for a long time I thought was Queen Latifah because of hearing her at the end of um, Something Wild back in the day. It, it fit with her style, but it's not her. And it was in a total reggae song, new lyrics, or a reggae rap with new lyrics, and that's called Flesh and Blood. And it's, it's the word girl song. And it's funny because, again, I thought that was the lead song because of the way the tape was arranged. And then I heard the word girl and it's like, oh, okay, there are just two songs that use the same, same style. Anyway, uh, the recording was done by a collection of studio musicians and produced by Arif Mardin. Perfect Way was their biggest U.S. hit at number 11 on the charts, but it only reached 48 on the U.K. charts. The album featured synthesizers and quote-unquote real instruments that would be used even more on the next album. In 1986, uh, they released a compilation <laughs> called The Basics. Uh, you know, you release two albums and it's time to release a compilation, I guess. Also this year, Gartside and uh, Gamson uh, wrote and produced Love of a Lifetime for Shaka Khan. Shaka Khan? The they also wrote uh, L is the Lo is for Lovers by Al Jarreau. So they were working kind of as writers outside of their own projects as well, which is yeah. very cool. And still kind of a little bit funk. I'd say Al Jarreau is more like jazz funk. So we'll chalk up another checkbox check for uh, guard side. Uh, Gamson would be a guy that, that uh, Green would kind of go along, like work with continuously for a long, long time. If there was a... A McCartney to his Lennon, it would be Gamson. Or, uh, oh gosh. Differed to his, uh, differed to his Tilbrook? No, I was thinking Elton John. Oh, Bernie Toppin, Elton John. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Except you find that with those two, it's it's music uh, with one and lyrics with the other. And and the two of them kind of are are together on both. Yeah, it's, it's usually two really brains, one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Two brains, one song. Exactly. Uh, in 1987, the song Best Thing Ever was included on the Who's That Girl soundtrack. Yeah, the, the Madonna film. Oh, 
It also appeared on their next album, which uh, came out in 1988 and was called Provision. This uh, album was way further down the synth funk road, although you could argue that if you played Cupid's Psyche and Provision back-to-back, it would be hard to tell where one album ends and the next one begins. It's um, true. It is true. This one this one does give you way more of the staccato electronic sound and I think deeper, deeper bass guitar. It was all about that bass, about that bass. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no trouble. Oh, Patty, Don't Feel Sorry for Loverboy was released as a single. This one charted well in the UK at eight, but in the US didn't really make much of a splash, only reached number 113. lower ballad song, which doesn't surprise me. In 1991, they charted again with a cover of the Beatles' She's a Woman. It featured vocals from Shabba Ranks. They followed this with another cover, Take Me You're In Your Arms, originally by Gladys Knight and the Pips. Okay, and that was a that was the final UK top 20 single for them. Yeah, he started, I think he just started not caring about how well things charted. And instead of saying, I'm going to make stuff that charts and does well commercially, he just said, yeah, I'm going to write my my really crazy lyrics and uh, deep stuff and, and do the direction I want to go. So he kind of pulled an underworld then. There you go. That's a good good comparison. 1999, he released Anime and Bonhomie, uh, or Bonhomie. I have no idea. That, that was one that I don't know the, the name of, the, the history of, the name behind it. So Bon Homie, Bon, I think means good, doesn't it? So it's good homie. It does. Oh, and which would be uh, homie would be friend, right? So if it is French. Yeah, yeah, good friend. Good friend. Or just uh, or Bon Homie because, you know, bon he's homie. living the, the rap lifestyle. Living the rap lifestyle. I mean, most deaf is on the album. So therefore, Bon Homie might be most deaf. He could be <laughs> good homie. Could be. You know, I'll tell you right now in sociology. So uh, let's see. Enemy is the way it's pronounced or enemy is a social condition defined by an uprooting or breakdown of any moral values. And so it's probably pronounced onomy and bonomy. Probably. I mean, that 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 would make the most I sense mean, for a songwriter to name it that. Yeah, they are, you know, scritty, politty. Why not yeah. do onomy and bonomy? A good-natured, easy friendliness. So there you go. Uprooting and friendliness is uh, how to translate anime and bonomy. And now I know how to pronounce that album. Which feature? Look, look at that. You learn things today. For sure. Yeah. Subscribe uh, and like. <laughs> tell, us, tell us what you learned today. Uh, <laughs> Enemy and Bonami featured heavy influences from hip hop on top of Spready Politi's regular sound infusions. And it wasn't as successful as he'd hoped. This album only reached 33 on the UK charts. Like I said earlier, uh, Most Death was also on this album, who uh, ended up being in 16 Blocks a little bit short time after this. In 2003, Gartside teamed up with Kylie Minogue and Emiliana Torini. And in 2005, another compilation called Early. This was a collection of all those early tracks that they released before and around Songs to Remember. 
In 2006, you got the most recent studio release from uh, Green, the most recent full release, I should say, White Bread, Black Beer. After the release of this album, they embarked on their first ever U.S. tour in 2006. Man, I wish I could have seen that. Boom, boom, bap. Sounds like uh, Freaks by Live. It does, yeah. <laughs> and what a name. Dude, there's so much bass in uh, the song Mrs. Hughes on this thing that everything that was on my walls that was not fastened down completely started rattling. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, is that just weak? To- is that weak nailing systems or strong subwoofers? I think strong subwoofers, but boy, did it, boy, is it like a, you think boom, boom, bap would have given you all the bass, but no, it was Mrs. Hughes. Well, because it's all up. It's Mrs. Hughes. Hughes. She's got a lot of bass. Uh, Since the release of that album, Gartside has performed with a wide variety of other artists, performing scritty songs, doing covers, and each other's original music. In 2011, a compilation called Absolute was released, a collection of singles with two brand new songs, Day Late and A Dollar Short, and A Place We Both Belong. And just last year, he released a solo single under his own name, uh, which features covers of Tangled Man by Ann Briggs and Wishing Well, and not the Wishing Well by Terrence Trent Darby, unfortunately. Although that was almost my uh, cover I would have liked to hear him do. Okay, but you, to be honest with you, the one you picked is actually way better. I think so too. Yeah, it's, uh, we'll get to that, but yeah, I feel there's only, like there's only the only idea that I have that would make this better is if he all of a sudden decided to do a tribute album to Kevin Gilbert. <laughs> would, wouldn't it be awesome? I, I would pay, I would pay a hundred dollars right now for a scritty, pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty, a scritty, pretty cover album. Yeah. Maybe that's, I, that's a, maybe this, this becomes the second worst band name, uh, besides the, the, as far as being able to say quickly. <laughs> Uh, Hammond, tell me some statistics and general notes about Scritty Politi. So, Gartside worked with the Manic Street Preachers in 2014. And then, uh, for record's sake, uh, Provision and Cupid and Psyche are both certified gold. So, it'd be then is such a great album, such a great place to start uh, with either of those two albums. I'd say Cupid and Psyche would be the better one. I sent Hammond an article before we even uh, got started with this show or before we, just as we were putting them on the list, Paul Strohmeyer, by the way, is his real name. So his real name, sadly, isn't even Gartside. It's Green. Aww. Green Gartside is his uh, his made up name. <laughs> so, when, but if he ever did a, a production with Graham Green, it'd be Graham Green Green Gartside. <laughs> yes, this is true. <laughs> Just like if Alan Barkin and Ellen Arkin ever got married, it would have been Ellen Allen Arkin Barkin. <laughs> it would be great if uh, he married uh, Pink. And then you'd have green and pink cards. <laughs> I don't know where we're going with this. I don't but know. Anyway, boy, did he have some hair in the eighties. I'm just looking at yes, that photo did. again. And, uh, geez, <laughs> some eighties hair. All right. Let's, let's say that, uh, you get to see, uh, green guard side on in concert and boy, a lot of YouTube video of Scritty Plitty in concert and green solo in concert. 
it makes me really hopeful that he'll come back around and maybe do like an acoustic tour. And God, how great would it be to hear some of these songs acoustically? But regardless, got to have a Stairway to Heaven song, a song that he always performs in concert. Hammond, what are some of our choices? So I picked The Sweetest Girl, Wood Bees. My choice is absolute. Uh, looks okay. like you have a different option that you're I'm betting thinking, on. I'm thinking I'm betting on Perfect Way because even though that wasn't as big a hit in the UK as it was here, it felt like a a calling card for the band, like a like it would be their. Well, I mean, their story to heaven, I guess, is the best way to say it. <laughs> um, boy, I could not have been more wrong. Neither of us actually. The boom, boom, bang. Is really? his most performed song in concert, which tells me that he that he sticks to the most recent stuff for his shows and maybe doesn't delve uh, you know back into the well, and that he did most of his touring in concert uh, performing since twenty or two thousand six when that. Okay, so where do our picks? Out. Where do our guesses fall then? I'll tell you. So tied for first place is the sweetest girl, the cover or the song that Madness covered. Uh, then would be's "Pray Like Aretha Franklin," which I almost said would have been my pick. The word "girl," absolute day late and dollar short. Skank block baloney, the title track from that that EP. Oh, Patty, don't feel sorry for lover boy. Die alone. Petrucka dollar. Petrucka dollar. I don't know what that is. Brush with oil, dusted with powder. Uh, we don't get to perfect way until thirteenth in the list. Wow. Yeah. So the, it makes me I'm, makes me very happy that you talked about Mrs. Hughes. Right after I talked about Boom Boom Bap, that way I have a song yeah. to stick there and can wait to put Boom Boom Bap until here. Oh, good. There you go. Perfect. Yeah. Thank so, you. So, absolute uh, for, uh, fifth in uh, his most performed list. But I'll say that his most performed song is 26 times. And I feel like it's probably just a victim of not a lot of accurate reporting. Or record keeping from the crowdsourcing. Exactly. I'm curious if there's a separate one of these for Green Guard's side. If there, maybe he had some solo. On the guard side. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Let's see. The Sweetest Girl. Wow. A lot of covers on this this one. Back in 2017 in Aldershot, England, it was just him solo. And it's funny. A lot of, a lot of covers of other artists and the occasional Scritty Plitty song. But boom, boom, bap right there, number six. So he, you know, he's still covering it or still performing it. He likes to bring the boom, boom. He does, and happy that he does that. Let's talk about covers. We touched a little bit on covers here, but who would we like to hear Scritty Politi cover? And I said it before, but a full Scritty Politi cover album would be amazing because I feel like he's got, he's obviously influenced by a bunch of different artists and hearing him do a sheet cover or a, you know, Jackson five cover. He talked about those being influences. Do, do some covers of them, man. I'd love to hear it. Yeah. But that's not what I chose. I want to hear him do a cover of you make my dreams come true by Holland Oates. Listen, he's already kind of flirting with the blue eyed soul style, at least for those earlier albums. So why not just steer all the way into it. I feel like Maneater, Private Eyes would be too tongue-in-cheek, ironic. Is he doing him, performing him genuinely or making fun of him? But You Make My Dreams Come True is just such a 
positive and, and awesome Hollow Notes song that if you were to cover it, it would be it would be a genuine tribute to the band as opposed to a here's a funny song by Hollow Notes, I'm gonna cover it. Well, and also his vocal quality is very similar. It's, it it's is. different, but there's a similarity yeah. to it that would fit very nicely into that kind of song. It would. And and I'd say I'd argue that he and Daryl Hall have a very similar range in mm-hmm. their voices. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. He'd have no problem hitting those highs. How about you? What have you got? Okay. I need you to close your eyes. Okay. I need you to get in the time machine and travel back to 85, 86 era scritty polity. You're sitting there, they're in the studio, and and Mr. Green says, dude, we need to do a cover. Brian, what's your suggestion? And you go, you know what? I have a friend. My friend really likes Alan Parsons. How about if you do <laughs> Eye in the Sky? And he goes, great call. I know, Alan. We're buddies. I don't know. I'm making all this Seems up. Seems like they would be. Yeah, they'd probably yeah. read the same books. <laughs> yeah. So so he starts, and it's Eye in the Sky, a scritty politty style in that in that yeah. kind of a toy matinee. Fun. Yeah, that toy yeah. matinee uh, Posies era sound they had back in 85, 86. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I also like he called him Mr. Green, like he's going to uh, beat someone to death with a candlestick in the ballroom. <laughs> well, if you don't play on this guy, he might. He might. He totally might. Very good. All right, let's get to our playlist. So uh, let's say you go out to the store and you pick up that uh, absolute album from 2011 that uh, the most recent of the greatest hits but you want a little bit more well you're going to get it right here uh, these are songs you can add to that greatest hits album which actually I'm looking I, I haven't even looked but I'm guessing one or, one or two of these might be on that album who knows who cares uh, the first one for me is these are our own arbitrary rules just to make things interesting that's right exactly uh, first one for me is Asylums in Jerusalem Remember album, or songs to remember album, and it's. Uh, listen, here's the funny thing about this is that it's the very first song you hear from Scritti Politti if you buy their stuff. You know, in, in order, in, in the order. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess because right, that early album got put out after mm-hmm. um, a couple of these albums. So there you go. Uh, it's great. It is such a, a a banger, right? It's got that weird bass line of. Burr, burr, burr. And it's um, I don't know. It's it's a it's a great introduction to the band. Asylums in Jerusalem. Lines after slumber. Uh, also from that same album is my second choice. Also from songs to remember. And uh, you're sick of hearing it, but uh, I love list songs. Love is a Rock and the Radio Rolled Me or um, 88 Lines About 44 Women, things like that. This is one of my favorite list songs of all time because 
there's no explanation as to why he's listing these things. And the only pattern you can find on here is that he alternates between the tangible and the intangible. So it's my uncertainty and my ice cream, my uh, limit and my notebook, my, <laughs> you know, it's so, it's such a great, like you almost want to create this list of the A and B items and see what, where he's going with all this stuff. But uh, I love it. There's no, no reason. It feels like there's no reason to it, nor is there an explanation why it's called Lions After Slumber. So uh, are you familiar with a performer named Linka? I think she did a song called Everything at Once. No. I mean, the name sounds familiar, but... Uh... Okay, when we're done, look up everything at once. I think okay. you might really like that song. It's a female vocalist, which I know you're kind of partial to. Yeah. Uh, right. And it's a it's a listy type song, because I also know you're partial to that. And I think yeah. you might really like yeah. that song. I just heard it the other day for the first time in years when I was driving around, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I like this song. Cool. Well, you know... Um... I'm getting my Linka from a trusted source, so I don't feel bad about uh, clicking on that Linka. <laughs> uh, number three on my list. That was a long way to go for a really bad dad joke. Number three is Lover to Fall. This is from Cupid and Psych 85. Because it's nowhere else in pop music are you going to hear words hermeneutic and paradigm. And at least not in 1985, paradigm is getting to be you know, a little bit more of a mainstream word. But still, I mean, you know, that last song, Lines After Slumber, contains the word unvanquishable. And you're not hearing that in a 98 degrees song. I'm telling you right now. But it's just such a great example of Green's ability to interject a vocabulary into his music. And back in 1985, I actually had to look up. I wanted to understand what the heck hermeneutic meant. <laughs> so I got kicked in the hermeneutic once. Oh, hurt. that'll hurt for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a, it's an adjective meaning uh, interpretation, concerning interpretation, especially of the Bible or literary text. So I don't understand why, what it has to do with being the lever to fall for you, but whatever it's uh it made me look it up and, you know, for a pop song to make me pick up a dictionary that says something. There's only one time I've seen Paradigm on an album that I can think of just off the top of my head. And that was Paradigm Shift by Liquid Tension Experiment, which is three members of Dream Theater and Tony Levin, who plays with King Crimson and Peter Gabriel. Well, of course. And let me take a drink to that. <laughs> I was smooth. That was, was not forced. No, no, that was very smooth. That fit right in with what we were talking about. Yeah. Uh, number four, brushed with oil, dusted with powder. Brushed with oil, dusted with powder. The day began to decline. A broken door, a hotel which uh, alludes to taking fingerprints. And that goes with the lyrics of the song, which sounds like it's about a murder at a hotel in Hollywood, uh, in which the killer might actually be the singer of the song, the narrator. The story behind this is that uh, Green Gartside found himself in the Hollywood Hills at somebody's house recording. 
uh, but he didn't have a guitar with him and he was kind of trying to come up with a song. So his producer came back and said, oh, I found a guitar for you. By the way, this one happened to belong to Joni Mitchell. And I don't know oh, what you do. I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say that his manager went out and killed someone for it. <laughs> Maybe. And that's where the lyrics came from. It's like, uh, well, just don't, uh, you know, look for fingerprints on this guitar. It'll be, it'll be just fine. I thought that was going to take a very gruesome turn. <laughs> for sure. Uh, fifth on the list, of course, you knew I had to include a cover on here. It's a cover of the Delphonics. Didn't I blow your mind this time? This actually is BEF, which is the... British Entertainment Foundation, I think, is is where they, you know, what their their name supposedly stands for. But they do albums called Songs of quality and distinction <laughs> and uh, they get guest vocalists for each one. They're not always covers. A lot of them originals, but for this one, uh, it was uh, the Delphonics. Didn't I blow your mind this time with, with the uh, green guard side on vocals. Uh, Delphonics did the original version. Of course, new kids on the block covered it as well. But okay. Well, you didn't put the in. So I kept thinking Knights of the old Republic. Knights of the oh, Republic. I forgot the end on new kids on the block. Yeah, just <laughs> kids on the block. Well, you know, they were around a long time by this point. There were, there's nothing new on them, new about them at all. But man, green uh, just steers right into the R and B line that he usually flirts with on this one. So it was great to, great to finally hear him do that. Uh, how about you, Hammond? What have you got? Okay. I picked first boy in the town. I should, I should think it's this town. In this town. Okay, sorry. First boy in this town. My only my only comment on this is it really did. The reason I kept talking about Kevin Gilbert is this song feels like a British toy matinee. It's so mm-hmm. British toy matinee. Yeah. Dr. Abernathy is next. You wanted heroin. This song I like because the lyrics made me really think. I mean, this is this it's it's something where I was listening along and then he said something and I can't even remember exactly what he said, but and all of a sudden I had to stop it mm-hmm. and start it over again to start hearing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it just goes to Green's ability to use words to make people pay attention because the music isn't all that complicated. It's what he's saying that gets your attention. Yeah. And then I picked um, and I guess Brian was upset with me for picking um <laughs> oh i wasn't upset i would have uh uh i would have probably picked that had you not because i really okay. do like that i like that song a lot And 
my note for that is it says that this is what happens when the posies work with public public enemy. <laughs> yeah, because it's got that total rap uh, rap chunk in there. Uh huh. Yep. And it feels it feels like a posies tune as well. So, and then I picked the best thing ever, and again, it's just a good pop song. And it is sometimes sometimes you don't need to have like a lot of really in depth thought on things, but just being able to enjoy it. And because this was new for me the enjoyment was kind of all discovery because there were very few things that sounded familiar because when these guys were in their heyday, I was listening literally to Metallica and Dokken and that stuff. So, (laughs) so going and hearing this, although it's something I didn't listen to, I still really like this because it does remind me of all the things I do like. just a good song there's nothing uh super special it's just really good cool and then i picked robin hood this is almost a tom petty song this feels very tom petty-ish to me yeah brand brand new too british tom petty but still very tom petty I was thinking this is brand new, but this was released uh, in 2006 and yeah. um, a four track uh, EP with Snow and Sun being the song from um, White, White Bread, Black Beer, which I'm saying much more carefully. Oh, I guess Robin Hood. No, Robin Hood was from that album. It was the last track on that album. Yeah. Never mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. yeah, those are my five. And and again, no sarcasm, no game playing. This was a good week. I enjoyed this. It was a nice uh, kind of reset after Metallica. Yeah, I love Metallica, but sometimes too much Metallica is too much Metallica. So having a reset, especially before we jump into the the, the next week, was good. Cool. Yeah, what I like about it is, you know, his voice is just kind of a nice, you know, warm bath. And you can... Yeah. Uh, uh, just kind of soak in it and and not have to work that hard to to quote one of his songs to to mm-hmm. enjoy it. So cool. Well, I'm I'm keeping my eyes open for new stuff from Green all the time and uh, uh, lots of stuff on YouTube. So it should you be- have a Google alert set up so that every time something pops I, up, you just automatically get it. I don't. I really should. I really really should. <laughs> you know, that's it's something that. That was the promise of that with some other band or something, not not band, some other service where you plug in your couple dozen favorite artists and you get an alert anytime any of them release anything new, whether it's on YouTube or a new album, Spotify, a single, anything like that. Uh, I don't think those things exist anymore. I think these those individual services will do it, right? Like, I think you can do that with Apple Music and say, hey, let me know anything, anytime anything new comes out from this band. But um, I want a service that does that. And maybe, maybe we need to come up with that service. Soundography, the service for sound. Soundography, the app. Ooh, I kind of like it. Okay. I kind of like it. Okay. We, you said it. So now it's trademarked. Uh, we have the date and the time. We do. Um, yep. October 25th, okay, so- 142 p.m. 
So it's now marked that if any, if anything happens, like if uh, they steal the source code and try to start their own social media site based on it, then we got them. Yeah, no kidding. All right, I'm 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 gonna start looking at app uh, development right now, and I'll have it learned by the next time we talk. Uh, <laughs> by the way, the next time we talk, Hammond is going to be to talk about what band? The Boyds. The Boyds. Yes, uh, Roger McGuinn, you know, and and company. And I'm so totally. Totally already planting a flag. I'm taking a birdhouse song. If you didn't already, uh, I haven't picked. I haven't picked one yet. I haven't picked one yet. Uh, the reason I didn't pick any yet is because I was so exhausted after doing the notes because it took me mm. like three sessions of writing to get through the notes. I believe it. This is a lot of stuff, and it's a lot of <laughs> albums. Yeah, uh, birdhouse. <laughs> by the way, is um, their collaboration, or really uh, Roger McGuinn's uh, collaboration with the Crowded House, uh, the band Crowded House. So. They did a four or five song EP doing covers of bird songs with uh, Neil and Roger sharing lead vocals. So if you look at the album that was released in 1971, take a look at my note. I see your note right there. Yep. (laughs) I'm going to pick every single song from that so you don't have to worry about it. Oh, good. All yours. Enjoy those. (laughs) Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Uh, excellent. All right. Well, that's neither here nor there, uh, but that will be our very, very next episode. So stay tuned for that. If you want to get in touch with us, we're at soundographypodcast at gmail.com. On Twitter, we are at the soundography. Follow us there and be notified of new episodes and new stuff coming down the pike. Uh, everything else, though, you'll find at our website, soundography.com. Uh, you'll find all of our previous episodes there, as well as links, as, uh, links and, um, uh, Spotify playlists and things like that for every single episode. Uh, links to buy the songs. I think I'll just link to Absolute, which is absolutely, the, the, absolutely the scritty, the most recent scritty greatest hits. By the way, does include Um, Asylums in Jerusalem, and Brushed with Oil, Dusted with Powder. So I kind of figured Um was a hit. I'll be honest, but yeah. I didn't care. It felt it felt hitty. <laughs> you did it, it. No miss, just hit. That's right. Although there's enough new stuff on there between the two new tracks and the some alternate takes. That's like oh, I might need to pick that one up. Yeah. Anyway, so I might do it. Anyway, uh, if you like what we're doing, make sure to leave us links. And if you really like or leave us reviews, I'll leave us links or, or recommend Linky. Um, but if you really like what we're doing, make sure to support us on Patreon. Uh, a lot of great stuff coming your way via via Patreon, including the movie of the month uh, and some swag coming out. I'm really excited about these lapel pins. They they The mock-ups look excellent, and I hope the uh, actual versions look just as cool. And we'll, we'll turn them into cufflinks if they're successful. We will, yes. Soundography official cufflinks. Uh, and make sure to check out our Soundography app coming to you sometime in 2026. As soon as I learn Xcode. <laughs> exactly. That is going to do it. Hammond, anything to close us out? No, I, I, I appreciate the fact that you suggested them because I never would have taken the time to listen otherwise. So thank oh. you. My pleasure. And it was a pleasure going back and listening to him for myself uh, this week. So I love that too. Uh, all right. On behalf of Hammond Chamberlain, this is Brian Abbott saying, thanks for listening. We'll see you next year, next time, right, right next. You'll see you soon right here on Soundography. Nailed it. The show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. 